Welcome to The Improver, the podcast that explores ideas in healthcare improvement and participatory change, hosted by Dr. Naeem Ahmed and Lara Mott. A note for our listeners. We record this podcast remotely to support our guests' busy schedules. The audio quality varies in this particular episode, however the content is excellent, so we hope your listening experience is as enjoyable as usual. Hello and welcome to the Improver podcast. I'm Naeem Ahmed, clinical lead and co-founder of ImproveWell. And I'm Lara Mott, CEO and co-founder of ImproveWell. We are delighted to welcome Helen Bevan and Joran Hendricks to the Improver podcast. Helen Bevan is recognized around the world for her expertise and energy for large scale change in health and care. During her 30 years as a change leader in the English National Health Service, Helen's been at the forefront of many NHS improvement initiatives that have made a difference for thousands of patients and for the staff who care for them. Helen currently leads the NHS Horizons team. She also provides advice, guidance and training on transformational change to leaders of the health and care systems across the world and has been recognised as one of the 60 most influential people in the history of the NHS. Joran Henricks has been Chief Executive of Learning and Innovation at the Kulturum in the County Council of Jönköping, Sweden since 1997. Kulturum is a centre for quality, leadership and management development for the employees in the county and also for healthcare on a regional and national level. Joran has nearly 40 years of experience in management in the Swedish healthcare system. He's also a senior fellow of the Institute for Healthcare Improvement and is the chair of the Strategic Committee of the International Forum on Quality and Safety in Healthcare. So Helen and Joran, welcome to The Improver. Thank you very much. Um, Great to be here. Fantastic. I wanted to kick off with a very easy question. So as two key figureheads in the world of change and improvement in healthcare, how did you both come to start to work together? Joran, you start. That was a hard question. (laughs) (laughs) You said it should be an easy one. Helen, I think that we met uh, during the late 90s, the first times. It may have been to one of the European forums. It may have been in the United States to one of the conferences there. But over time, you can't um, lose uh, your sight of Helen because uh, everything that is around Helen is always energizing you and accelerating uh, your mind into a different kind of thinking or mindset. So um, I, I admire Helen's uh, contribution to care because she puts our minds in new settings. But I think from the beginning, she was more of a uh, governmental, uh, position uh, position person but uh, today she with her experience she is a global position person and I think that is a big uh, benefit for all of us. Thank you Joran and um, you know when I when I think about you when when um, when I first um, met you and I came to Kulturum um, so I, I don't know how much people know about um, about Jungshipping but it's um it's a it's a place. It's actually not a very big region in the in the south of Sweden, but a place that just gets amazing health and care outcomes 
um, for its, um, its population. And it's um, a place that has got such a focus on, on learning. And um, Kulturum, which is where uh, Yoren is based, is, is a house of learning, you know, at the, at the heart of, um, of this system. And, and again, Joran, you know, I think um, your, your leadership has made such a, a difference and it's, it's so globally significant in the sense that, you know, what we see at, um, in, in your region and um, the, the results you get, the, um, the ambition and the way that you bring health and care um, uh, together, you know, the understanding I think that you you have and that is played out in such practical ways of um, of health and, and what it means it, it has just been such an inspiration um, to me. And you know, when I work with you, um, Yoren, I I learn all the time, and you current you constantly challenge you know uh, my perspective. And I think that um, more than anybody I know in the world, actually, um, you've you've kind of challenged me and, and made a difference to the way I think and the way that I practice um, as an improver. We're, we're, we're delighted just to be, uh, be able to share both the, the wonderful ways you speak about each other, but also the, the experiences that you have. And we're, we're looking forward to delving a bit uh, deep into that during uh, this podcast. Uh, I, so I, I guess we, we are, still very much in in the in the pandemic and uh it would be really great to kick off by um what what would you say um in 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 response to the fact that improvement uh is something that can wait because we, we've got to deal with the with the pandemic right now what would your response to to that be maybe i should start um so I think it's, you know, it's really interesting looking back um, and you look at some of the studies that have been done, for instance, by the Health Foundation. You know, what it's showing is, you know, certainly in, um, in England is that those um, organisations and systems that have made um, a real commitment and investment to improvement prior to the pandemic. So those places where senior leaders were, were really committed um, to improvement, where um, you know they've got a, a methodology or an approach that everyone um, uses, where there's been a real um, focus on building improvement capability, where there's a, there's been a sustainable approach to improvement, where um, people use improvement approaches for their biggest priorities. If you look at the the, the, the places, the organisations, the systems that already had that in place, you know, they've been able to, I think, um, move forward so much more quickly and in a much more agile way, you know, with regard to the, to the pandemic than other places have done. And, you know, in a sense, um, having an improvement method, having an improvement perspective uh, means, you know, that you were, were able to move forward um, um, much more quickly. And some of the work that I've been doing um, recently, which has been about learning about um, a number of systems in the National Health Service in England that um, are uh, what are called accelerators, but they're the, the, the systems that have been identified to accelerate, um, you know, what we'd call elective recovery. So, um, you know, really um, 
uh, amplifying the speed at which we get back into into plan care and we um, you know reduce um, people having to wait those places and systems that have already invested significantly in improvement you know they're, they're just able to move forward um, so much more quickly and I think you know um, Yoren and I have actually reflected quite a lot on this and you know the thing about the, uh, the, the, the pandemic I'd say is that it's made us uh, it's made things move more quickly but in a sense a lot of the things that, that have moved more quickly were happening anyway they've just happened more quickly so they've speeded up and if we kind of look at the period post-pandemic you know things aren't going to slow down you know they're going to stay amplified at a, at a speed and I'd say you know those organizations and systems and leaders that have really invested in that kind of improvement capability they're in the best possible place for the future and what would what do you think Joran? I think that um, the pandemic but and this is very hard to say but that for um for an improver, maybe th this has been the most learnable time of life because you have seen that healthcare systems and all the employees really loves to learn because we have seen so many um, small tests of change during this 18 to 24 months that we never have seen before. And it's from a governmental level where it took maybe two years to uh, uh, get consensus around the guideline or care program. Now it took two days or three days. <laughs> and, and on the uh, floor, you have seen all this chatting, huddling, uh, meetings where people really had tried to improve their work processes to make as good as possible for the patient and their relatives and i would uh, i i think it's a big risk that they, we miss the chance of what fantastic things that have happened during this period because we so quickly come back to what the old structures ask for uh, with a lot of physical meetings that take a lot of time where there's purpose and the aims are not clear and then we suddenly are back to to the old uh, habits i think the feeling of what did it take to make the work work during the pandemic should stay in our bodies i mean that that is something that obviously resonates, um, you know, deeply with us because, uh, um, particularly as someone that was working, you know, in the hospital and seeing actually the fantastic transformation that had taken place, and uh, um, you know, as unfortunate and and it was very unfortunate what what happened, but we did, as you said, there are some some really good things that have that we've been able to implement and change um during the process i guess now um and with the whole improvement agenda it, it, it some people do feel that it's something that experts do or it's something that enthusiasts do and it's not something 
you know very democratized that everyone in the workforce can can be involved in it. and I've, I was reading the blogs that you both have co-written in, in BMJ Leader which you talk about the responsibilities of leaders to make sure mm -hmm. that this movement is something that everyone can take part in um, would you be able to, to to share some of your insights in how organizations might might do that? Helen, start. Okay. Um, so you know, very often um, we talk about um, we talk about quality management systems, and and you know, sometimes I kind of get a bit nervous when we talk about uh, about management systems because very often management systems are about control and and top down and um, and unequal um you know power in in uh, in organizations but actually you know what what um, i think there's a, a lot of organizations in um, in our system in england that are doing this really well and you know when we talk about um, a quality management system we call it a management system because it's 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 what we do um every day and you know, like how do we create the conditions where um, where where everybody is is playing their their role in improvement? And you know, in a sense, our daily work isn't just about you know whether it's our clinical work or our organisational work, but actually, um, you know, our improvement work is part of a uh, part of that. And I think at the the heart of this is is relationships and you know how we connect with each other. And you know the extent to which we um, we we build shared purpose, and we think about about um, meaning, and and I think you know the places that 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 do this really well have the kind of leaders that um, that that put improvement work and um, and what it's about um, in line with with kind of you know people's people's bigger sense of. Um, of shared purpose and the kind of things that we're trying to um, achieve for you know our, our patients and um, and um, and our communities but but actually you know creating the conditions um, where we can do that I think is um, is, um, is is very very difficult and you know one of the things that Yoren and I um, um, work on a lot and talk about a lot is about about learning systems you know how how can we create systems where where everybody's learning, everybody's experimenting um, uh, every day. That you know, if if a lot of the things that we try don't work, that's okay. Um, you know, as long as we um, as as long as we are learning. And I think um, uh, you know we see uh, a lot a lot more organisations now that are kind of um, that are kind of of getting this. But I think it needs a. Uh, a, a very very different kind of senior leadership and um, and uh, perspective and you know one of the things that um, that I help to run is something called the school for change agents and what that's about is people who are really passionate about change who are who are um, activists who you know um, want to kind of take the power where where they can make um, change happen and you know some of these people are um, radicals and rebels and um, and heretics um, in their organisation because they're they're seeing the status quo and how things happen um, at the moment and they and they want things to be want things to be different and you know a lot of these people that come to us in um, in the school for change agents they hate the improvement approach of their organisations. 
because like the leaders in their organizations have, have kind of recognized, you know, yeah, we do need to do quality improvement and we do need to have a methodology. So, uh, you know, we're, we're having a quality management system. So, so you know, they, they create one and say to everybody, you're part of this quality management system. But a lot of the, the, um, the activists and the radicals and the rebels, um, they see it as oppressive because they see this quality management system and these methods um, being, being kind of pushed down on them. So the very people that are actually potentially our best change agents are, um, are um, against uh, you know, the approach. So I, I think it's, it's a really, really difficult trade-off. So how do you have a quality management system where you've got an approach and you've got a methodology and we're all about learning and we do it in a way that's highly relational and um, enables everybody to, to, to do their best and, and, um, and bring their unique talents to it um, in a way that actually gives people autonomy or the word we'd use is agency, you know, the power to change the things that really matter to them. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a very difficult balance. Joran. Yeah, I, let me take it from a different angle. I think that um, if you want to perform, you need feedback systems. And I think that um, that is one of our biggest challenge today. So we know, of course, how well we are doing related to each patient, but we only know it based on our own doing and understanding. We don't see the end result for the patient and we don't see how we treat a group of similar patients in feedback loops that can help us to improve our work processes. And I think that's one of the key things we learned through the pandemic that we have got feedback loops all the time that has helped us to a deeper understanding. And I think that while we don't have that, people can continue to produce or do a work to a level of 70 or 80% of best possible. But for each patient that are not within that group, you, you make some harm or you, there is a risk that you make some harm. And I think it's a, a mistake of, uh, of the management and the governing bodies that they ask people to continue to do what they always have done, knowing that this is happening all the time. Instead of stopping the work and mm -hmm. make people start to talk about their own work and dig into the learning of that work, in a deeper way and it's much more cost effective if you stop the line for a day and go together in a cross or multi-professional group and dig into can we improve these services in a better way but we continuously ask people to put in their hours and run harder and harder instead of asking them 
to see where are your gaps? How can you help yourself? Now, this is the same uh, disease that we sometimes have without co-producing or co-creating our work with the patients because we just produce the units or the methods to the patients instead of taking the time asking them what are their preferences or concerns and what can they contribute uh, with to their own situation and and this is uh, one of the main challenges i think for the next generation of care that we find ways to both space up the, the time so people can work with their work, but also involve the people that we are here for in the work. You've um, articulated the, you know, what we saw, which was uh, what happens when you really empower people to, you both said it, you know, we've seen it, you know, when you empower the front line, um, or every member of staff within an organization to go out and, and make meaningful change. But we have to also, you know, take into account that people are exhausted now. Uh, and uh, how do you, I guess, you guys don't have this in short supply, but in terms of how do you motivate people now to continue uh, when they are facing these, you know, very real issues of burnout um, and being just, uh, you know, tired and um, going through a range of emotions around working in healthcare at the moment, uh, which is universally agreed as, you know, being a very, very tough place at the moment. How do, how do we motivate everyone to continue on this, you know, as you've said, radical improvement uh, process that we've seen during the pandemic. Uh, what what can organisations and leaders do? At least in my my system and organisation, and I know that this is maybe not representative, but it's not all people that have been involved in COVID. It is maybe fifty percent of the staff that has been very involved and have worked more hours than they could believe they could stand but the other half they haven't had that much to do so they may be exhausted because of that and it takes a, a new kind of leadership to balance this and this is what Helen and I tried to talk about how do you live in a world where there are a lot of dilemmas, a lot of dissonance, a lot of polarities, where you have as a leader to find the way to balance and maybe understand timing of doing things because of the context that have changed. But I, I see a lot of people that have a lot of energy <laughs> because they were outside the, the epicenter of the pandemic. But they also feel heavy on their shoulders, heaviness on their shoulders, because they see their colleagues that are very tired. So I think we have to go where the, the energy <laughs> lives. Helen, I don't know if you had any thoughts, particularly on the NHS context, you know, you, you've, you're seeing it firsthand. 
Yeah, you know, one of the things that I see that I think um, uh, maybe I want to reflect on is, you know, we're talking a lot about recovery and we talk about people recovery and we talk about service recovery as if they're two completely different things. Mm. And, you know, people recovery, it's, um, uh, you know, people that are line managers of people and the human resources and and workforce and department and um, an occupational health that are kind of looking after the people recovery and then um, you know people that are in operational roles and often improvers are are looking at service recovery and how we redesign pathways and how we can increase productivity um, beyond covid and actually service recovery and people recovery are the same thing and um, and you know we shouldn't um we shouldn't separate them out um, and you know, um, and again, you know, when, when we think about um, burnout in, in, in no way um, uh, disrespecting, um, you know, what people have done and um, the incredible efforts um, that, that people have, um, have made. But I think, you know, one of the, the good things, positive things that is happening is a recognition that, you know, mm. burnout isn't about resilient individuals. You know, burnout is about people in organisations and teams and um, and support. And, um, and we know we know that people that um, that are in, in, in systems where they feel a strong sense of psychological safety and a strong sense of belonging and a, and a sense of bigger purpose are much more or much less likely um, to be um, to be burnt out than um, than, than, um, than people that, that haven't got that um, that sort of support and I think you know we have to take the we have to take the, the the learning from this and and I think paradoxically you know even though you know people are tired and we need to be um, uh, you know working even harder if you like to um, uh, to get our services and um, you know to a situation where people where our patients aren't waiting um, you know, for unacceptably long times, um, you know, uh, we have to be um, working through um, new ways of um, um, of uh, uh, providing care. You know, new ways of working. Since we, Yon's right, we can't just go back to doing more of what we did before. It's got to be about working in profoundly different ways, and and um, and we have to do that together in um, in in co-production and I think actually doing that in a way that um, that builds relationships that is about a sense of hope and possibility and a different future and and being in this together I think is um is um is one of the most important aspects of that I think we wholeheartedly agree with that and um one, one of the things I wanted to ask you both is is building on some of the themes that you've, you've brought out involving the workforce in in recovery and and um, and redesign has has never been more important than it is now. And you've spoken about these organisations with um, brilliant leadership and, and and quality management systems and and that potentially being a challenge for the for the change activists and the improvers. But what about those organisations that don't have that? The ones that are you know perhaps. Uh, haven't got a quality improvement team they don't necessarily have a process they still need to move quite quickly now and 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 involve the workforce in these new ways of working and and um, and recovery what advice do you both have for 
where should they start? Because you could get this decision paralysis of we don't have the systems, we don't know, we don't have the process, so we can't start. But again, as, as Naeem uh, said in the beginning, we, we've we've seen this this period of rapid change and the need to absolutely do something. So, do you have any advice for organisations that have don't perhaps don't have it all together, but need to start? Where should they start? Maybe I would give advice, not so much to organisations, but to individuals and particularly individual improvers that find themselves in that situation, you know, because some of us are lucky and we have fantastic line managers and great leadership in our organisations and, and, you know, people that get um, improvement and um, and prioritise it and invest in it. But lots of um, improvers, you know, haven't got that. Um, so, you know, um, what do you do? And I, I mean, you know, I would say um, we have to start somewhere. And, you know, the, the reality is that um, if you look at most big changes that happen in health and care, um, they, they don't come from, from senior leaders. And, and, you know, if we've got a great idea about something that we want to improve across our organisations, actually going straight to the leadership, senior leadership team and getting their support for it, um, I think more often than not, is not the best idea. And, you know, I'd say that very often, I mean, thing I'd say is number one rule of being a change agent is that you can't be a change agent on your own. And, and like when I look back over, I'm like, like it's actually it's my 30 years and two weeks, okay, as a, as a lead improvement leader in the, in the NHS. And, um, you know, uh, uh, what I've seen so many times is when you get a group of people coming together with a, with a common purpose who start doing stuff and, and make things happen before, before you go to the senior leadership, I think is, um, is, is very often um, a better way because, you know, if you go straight to the senior leadership and you're trying to sell, sell them a concept, particularly in an organisation that hasn't got, you know, um, an improvement or, a, or a, a learning system, you know, everything is a, is a battle. And, um, and actually, if, we, if, if any of us can find fellow people around us who think the same way and want the same kind of things and, and just get organised, so much more likely that change um, is um, is is going to happen. So you know, I'd say find find the other people that want the same thing and um, that you want, and like don't ask for permission. You know, start start doing things. Um, you know, do things in a safe way. Um, uh, experiment. Um, you know, um, uh, build your learning, like Yoren says. You know, and work on your data, and then all of a sudden, um, it's happening. Uh, I would like to uh, say that <laughs> uh, life is understood with looking into what has been done, the history, but it can only be lived with a strong picture of what you, where you want to go. <laughs> so without a vision, without defining some strategic challenges, without having a purpose in your work, it is very hard to, to uh, go outside your own situation. So on that direct question, what do we recommend? Well, I think that purpose and the vision and the mission is very crucial because you need that sun that you try to go to, or I mean, you need that positive approach to things 
no matter what kind of organizational structure you have. And, and so uh, relationships with your patients or the citizens and so on are very crucial because the energy for your work comes from how, how you, how the feedback from them uh, uh, comes and, and uh, are pronounced or said and so on. Both of you have given us some, some fantastic insights uh, into how both organizations and on the individual level, um, we should still agitate uh, for, for change, which is, uh, uh, which is you know, something that obviously we, we hold very dearly. I mean, um, Helen, you spoke about this big anniversary coming up of uh, 30 years. And uh, uh, for many of us in the National Health Service, I know, you, you, know you, you are someone we look to in terms of leading the way in terms of improvement. Uh, to both of you, though, if um, you could give some advice to people that are, or even to yourself, I guess, uh, starting on this journey, um, what are the things that you would say to uh, the person that is trying to really make a difference and, 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 and ultimately benefit patients uh, and also on their starting their leadership journey? What are the types of advice that you might, might give now looking back? We'll say Helen and then, and then Joran. Yeah, maybe the kind of key piece of advice I'd give is um, is like find your own power, because, you know, um, if we want to make change happen, if we want to improve things, we need we need power. And, you know, how would you define power like the um, the ability, um, you know, to, to make a difference. And I think, you know, um, when you when you look like at the NHS, it's such a hierarchical system. Yeah, in a sense, we have double hierarchy because you've got like you've got organizational hierarchy and like where you fit in the system, and then and then you've kind of got a clinical hierarchy as well, with um with doctors at the top and nurses some way down and patients definitely at the bottom. And and so um so very very often like you feel, you know, I've got um I've got no power um uh, to make a difference, and yet um and yet all of us have got um have got you know phenomenal power and um and we have to take we have to um uh, find ways to to take it so you know like when we're thinking about improvements and we're thinking about the kind of changes that we want to make in our teams for our patients and you know for our colleagues um yes i think it's really important that we we learn improvement methods and and you know I mean, improvement methods are fantastic because they open our eyes to possibilities. You know, they um, they enable us to, um, to to test our ideas, to um, to use data. Um, uh, you know, improvement methods changed changed my life in the sense that you know they 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 taught me a way of thinking about and and going about change. Um, and you know, at the at the same time, and I've kind of learned this kind of over the years. Um, like we have to we have to take the power for change you know we have to uh, because you can have all the skills and the methods in the world but if we haven't got i mean the word i'd use is agency okay and, and yeah, you know when we have a sense of agency and um, you know we have a sense that um that we've got the power um uh, uh to make change happen and and you know very often we haven't got the power in a hierarchical sense because we haven't got the formal authority but actually that doesn't matter because that's not the most important power for making change happen. The kind of power 
that that happens when you come together with um, with other people who want the same things that you want, with a sense of shame of, of shared purpose, and the kind of power that comes from um, that comes from purpose. That's about social justice. That's about overcoming unfairness and inequality and and wanting to make a difference and and I honestly think when when we find ourselves you know in a um, in a group we create the situation where we're where we we come with a, we are with other people that 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 um that want the same things and you know it's um uh it's just like the best energy for change in the world so so I'd say uh, you know um, learn the methods um, uh, you know, think about highly systematic ways of, of, um, of going about change and then and then think about about your power and and recognize you've got a heck of a lot of it. And um, wherever you are, however bad things are, um, like, you know, uh, you can make a difference. And, and I think, again, when I think about me and the, like the worst times in my career, um, they were when I didn't take the power that I had. Yoren. Can I just say that was an incredibly powerful reflection. So Helen, thank you so much for being so open and vulnerable and actually letting us share those and uh, sharing those thoughts with us. Thank you. Uh, in Swedish, we have a, a, a word uh, that is for how you as a, a employee should be together with the other employees so a kind of it's the same thing as leadership but we call it the co how you are a good collaborator and um, i think we need to talk uh, within our workplaces what that means and when we start to talk about that we find that uh, some words are connected to trust and honesty in, in connections and so on and then we find that um, people that are uh, historically we said flexible but today we, we, maybe we talk about adaptability or agile or something like that you that brings spring strength to the colleague if you have that because that can sometimes frame things in Wonderful. new ways for the colleague and that makes you to oh, a yes. good collaborator and then <laughs> we see that uh, it's quite good to be kind of proactive uh, try to be a little ahead of the situation and help each other and you mentioned before words as resilient or reliable and so on and i think that is connected to a sense of proactiveness that you you try to be in the situation before it happens and if you are not before it happens you have support from your colleague that reminds you of the situation and and, and the, that makes you to the team and i think that we should all start to work with these things like trust and adaptability and proactiveness because i think that is what makes a team so i'm very sports interested and you know when you see teams act 
and as, as, as a unit and become strong, the different players in the team trust each other. They are very flexible uh, to find the spots to support and they are proactive in their actions. Yeah, can I flip the question round actually a little bit? Um, so I'll ask I'll ask Sister Yoran first. So, like you know, Yoran and I, you know, we uh, um, like we have seventy years experience between us of doing this, which is like, um, oh, where's it gone? But um, Yoran, you know, you know, like being um, can I maybe flip it around the other way and say, Yoran, you know, like being a mature person who's been an improver for a long time. What's what's great about um, about being um, you know, um, an older person with wisdom in improvement, like how are you different now? And how do you feel now compared to say, like you did 30 years ago? What's the, what's the benefit of being an older person or, a, or a, a wiser person in improvement? I, I think it's, you, are, you um, feel more comfort, even if it's not working that well, as mm. long as you see that people really tries hard yeah. because it starts there and as long as people tries hard then the results or the good things will happen uh, but but uh, it takes some time yeah I, I mean i feel like that too i am um, you know i i feel um i'm kind of much calmer and laid back um, than i used to be um and um i am um, yeah, like Yara and I have like a profound belief in people. And, you know, sometimes, um, I mean, we do some really risky things or, or we don't think they're risky, but maybe yeah, other people um, do. And we're just pushing boundaries all the time. And I think because we have the experience that we have, like, 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 like we really believe um, in people. And if we create, you know, good relationships and a good process, um, you know, people will come through and, and it just happens time after time. And it's just, you know, um, I've always been a believer in the kind of the, the human spirit and, um, and that, um, you know, if we do things in a good way, people will always deliver. And I, and I feel it, I feel it more now than I've ever felt it. And I'll take more and more risks now, risks I'd never take 10 years ago, because, because I'm just, I just know, you know, it's, it's kind of like never underestimate people. Um, and, um, and if we believe in people, they'll, they'll always, um, always deliver. And I guess another thing that I feel is like things that used to really freak me out or worry me, I just don't care anymore. You know, like, like getting restructured Like in the past. Oh my goodness, I'm getting restructured. Isn't it awful? Like, I don't care because I think what you learn over the years is um, whilst at a particular point in time, it's like really scary. Um, being restructured actually being restructured in the big scheme of things doesn't actually make that much difference um, so um uh you know um, part of work i'm doing at the moment is um is um, we're setting up a group for um, women over 60 um in the nhs and i tell you these women are incredible they're so full of energy and wisdom and i think you know sometimes we uh, we um we don't use our kind of, you know, um, our, um, our wise, um, uh, you know, experts by, um, by learned experience, um, anything like as well as we should. And I hope that Yoren and I today are a, are a good example of that. I, I mean, so much of that resonates with me personally in terms of where I am in my career now versus where I was, you know, 15 years ago. 
Um, I was nodding away when you were talking about, you know, not necessarily asking for permission. You know, someone said to me once 10 years ago, you know, ask for forgiveness rather than permission, which went against everything I stood for in my in my 20s. But it, it's true because actually um, you. Yeah. Good things do happen if you if you bring people together and, and all of the things that you've you've, you've touched on today. Um, Naeem, is there anything you wanted to add before I. Well, I was just going to say to to both of you that uh, thanks for the reminder, because as Helen, you know, will know that, you know, sometimes you can you can be really impatient. And I know at times that I can be impatient for change, you know, and that that you want things to happen now. And both of your advice is, you know, uh, number one is what's come through really powerfully from both of you is your immense belief. And I think Helen mentioned it in people and the goodness of people and that they will do the right thing. And the second is that, you know, this wisdom, which you said, look, you just wait and see, you know, and have some patience and, and, and things will turn out right in the end. And uh, I think that that's a, a wonderful reflection also, given the, the moment in time we're in right now with the pandemic and everyone, you know, not being able to see an end in sight, actually to reflect on both of your words is quite comforting for me personally. So thank you. We, um, we have one small section before we wrap up, which hopefully we can get your thoughts on. Um, okay. it's, a, it's a section called Small But Mighty, which is where we normally showcase an improvement mm. idea that uh, a frontline colleague has shared through the Improve Our Solution that may on the surface appear small, but has a, a much bigger impact. Um, a question to both of you, if you were to share an idea for improvement uh, right now um, for any healthcare team anywhere in the world, something small but mighty, what might that be? Joran, do you want to start? Uh, you know, I'm a big believer of um, huddles and the timeouts and short meetings. And I think that uh, uh, that's the most important platform for, for uh, improvement. I'm not sure how innovative it is to say this, but uh, please start to... Uh, measure how many times you per month get the chance to get 10 minutes together and talk about the work you love. Lovely. I guess maybe this kind of reflects, you know, where, where I am at the moment. I think, um, you know, what I'd say is, um, is think about um, the things that we should stop doing as well as, um, as the things that we, um, that we, we start doing. Or, um, or improve. And I mean, I, you know, I see that um, like so much at the moment in the sense where, um, you know, we're trying to recover the system, recover people, um, you know, beyond the, um, the pandemic. And we're coming up with all these, um, you, know, uh, uh, you know, recovery ideas. And, and if we really want to create the, um, the, um, the space and the platform where people can concentrate on the new things, like, you know, um, um, what are we going to get rid of? You know, what are we going to stop doing? Um, what, you know, um, think about all the noise in the system, all the reports that we make people fill in, all the data. And if we're really going to give um, our community, um, you know, our um, 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 our clinical community, um, our care delivery um, um, community, the um, the space and the support. Uh, to um, you know, to um, to to take um, care services to a different level, then um, you know, um, 
just think about all the things that we should that we should really really stop doing that don't actually add um, add any value and take us away from um, from um, the um, the core mission. So um, so maybe my small idea is um, is to just think about A B C. So um, A is um, is what do we um, accelerate? So what do we need to do more of? And B is break. So uh, what do we stop doing? And C is create. You know what are some of the things that we um, that we start doing? So just instead of like adding more and more. Okay, let's do it. Let's do an ABC. Brilliant, and and it's a brilliant note to to end uh, the the podcast on, and to thank you for those wonderful gems, you know, of uh, inspiration and insight into uh, you know your collective experience of over seventy years in, in the improvement space. Uh, as I said, we're we're so grateful to have you both in, and I know that it's been such a rich discussion uh that uh the listeners will find it really really uh uh really beneficial actually and and practical and that, and that's what we like that that actually people can have a listen and actually say how can they implement those things in their own organizations and in their own lives so thank you once again because i know you are both extremely extremely busy people but i know also that you always make time to to share that knowledge and uh, inspire others. So uh, thank you. I'm so glad we could do that. And Yaron, I'm so glad we can do that together. Because Yes, it was nice. Thank you, Helen. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you both so, so much. The Improver is a production of Improve Well Limited. Thank you to today's guests, Helen Bevan and Joran Henriks. To find out more about the Improve Well solution, visit improvewell.com. Subscribe to The Improver at Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you're listening.